You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. HawkeyeInsider.com, 24-7 Sports. David Eichel, Sean Bach with you following Iowa's unconventional 7-3 win over South Dakota State, two safeties and a field goal, and the offense that we have heard all offseason about, Sean, just not living up to par, not uh, not doing what it was supposed to do. But Iowa escapes with a win, luckily. But, man, there's a lot, lot to digest here, I think. I'll say this. First game of the season. That's I know people don't want to hear that. I know people want to, you know, find something to be mad about, and I totally understand that. But, hey, game one. Game one. That's that's all I can really say. I know, obviously, an FCS opponent, South Dakota State's supposed to be pretty good out there, but Iowa, more talented team. But, I mean, hey, you're down to two scholarship receivers with Jacob Bostic being out today. He was expected to play a role, but it sounded like he was on a scooter or something to keep his weight off um, his ankle. Um, then you have... Brody Brecht back, who has been dealing with injuries all throughout camp, and then Arlen Bruce as well. You know, that's not technically a recipe for success when it comes to offense. I mean, I think the receivers failed to get separation at times, and offensive line play, I think, was a big struggle. Mediocre at best. Yeah, and when your run game is not as consistent as it needs to be, then that's going to be a recipe for disaster, but... Luckily, Iowa's full Parker in defense and LeVar Woods on special teams because if it weren't for those two, it would be be a pretty different story today. Sean, it's just where do the excuses kind of end at this point? I mean, it was I, – I wrote in my postgame column, this is probably the low point of the Brian Ferentz era offensively, maybe even the Kirk Ferentz era. I mean, I know you brought up Iowa only had two scholarship receivers. They were down the number one running back in Gavin Williams – but, Sean, this is an FCS program. Despite it being a powerhouse, Iowa has the seventh most wins among Power 5 teams yeah. in the past five years. There is absolutely zero excuse for the offense to put up zero points. And I know some people want to say, oh, they got a field goal. You know why they got the field goal? Because they intercepted it within their own territory. They gained five yards on three plays, and Aaron Blom and make, made up for an earlier miss to make it Three, I believe they made it three zero at the time. I mean, Sean. I mean, where do you find the positives in this offensive game plan? I mean, maybe Arlen, U, Arlen Bruce's usage yeah. um, I being mean, a focal point, but that's tight, about it. Tight ends weren't overleased that much. I think Laporta had two catches for nine yards, had a couple of targets, but obviously not the best throws. Um, could have had that catch on the sidelines. I would have went for just short of a first down, but didn't have possession of it so yeah I mean you talk about the positives offensively I wrote my three reasons to be discouraged three reasons to be encouraged post at or uh post after the game and 
<laughs> you look at the encouraged, all defense, special teams. You look at the discouraged, it's all offense. All offense. And you can't really go wrong with that if you're me in that situation. And that's just kind of how the cookies crumble. There's, re- I mean, I think the only like thing you can really take away that's positive from it is not having those receivers. But it's like if you don't have an offensive line that can protect you, if you don't have a quarterback that can get those guys the ball separately. Now I understand that, yes, you can put a lot of the blame on Petrus for not making some of those throws. But at the end of the day, too, like it's up to the receivers to get that separation. And if that's not happening, then you're not going to be able to get those types of types of big plays that you want to make. But you got it's a two-way street. You got to make the throw, and you got to get the separation in order to make the throw easier on the quarterback's life, too. I think it's a mixed bag. I think to some degree Kirk was truthful in his post-game analysis saying, you know, when he was asked about Petrus repeatedly, by the way, he just said we all need to get better in all phases. That's 100% true, though. Yeah. It is. I mean, they're, they're lacking receivers. The tight ends weren't great. The offensive line crumbled at times. But, Sean, it got to a point where I could look at six or seven throws and only split it in half. There were four throws at least where you sit back and you say, there is not a Division One quarterback. That's an inexcusable miss by a third-year starting quarterback in the Big Ten. Like, any D1 quarterback could have made the throw. I think about the five-yard out route to Sam Laporta early in the game, the first half. I think about that screen to LaShawn Williams. He, mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a guy in his face, but he waited too long. It was not LaShawn's fault, and it was not the offensive line's fault. And I, there was a one over the middle he missed. There was one I think he did roll out to the flat. I mean, pitch and catch, seven yards maybe. No defender in the area, just overthrew him, way too high. I mean, Spencer's confidence for the first time, I think, in a long time, Sean, it just looked gone. Yeah. He just completely lost it, and fans were booing. And I think it's just as much of a Brian Ferentz problem, an offensive problem, as, as Spencer Petrus. But I also blame the staff for continuing to throw Spencer out there and not letting him get his mind right on the bench for a series or two. Because what's the worst that's going to happen if you throw in Padilla? This is a guy that started three games last year. He still won games. And, Sean, he's got more touchdowns in the last eight games than Petrus. Petrus, over the last eight games, has one passing touchdown to eight interceptions. I mean, this – where do you go? <laughs> I mean – See, my mindset is different with – Benching Petrus, yes, I think Padilla can allow you to do different things on the offensive end with his mobility and how he can throw on the run. But I also think Petrus, it's one of those things, too, where, yes, he's a pretty, like, tough mentally kid, but if you take him out, what does that do to his confidence or his his thought process of your belief in him as a quarterback I mean I understand like if something's broke something's not working you got to find a way to fix it but do you take the risk of taking away his confidence or you take the risk of maybe he'll inject some new life into him and fire him back up saying hey you know I gotta get back out there and show him what I can do yeah and I guess last year too with when Padilla went, or when Padilla was a star, it's because Petrus could physically not throw a football. Yep. And obviously, the offense needed something in that Nebraska game. And while Petrus wasn't the reason they won, he played a role. But like special teams and defense was kind of the thing that too reignited. But 
it's going to come a point where we saw in the Big Ten Championship where offense, defense can keep you in games, but offense, you need offense to win certain games. Yep, you I need agree. offense to take that next level. And it's just wild to see, like, how this, how that just has not happened. Like, when is there a game, maybe Kentucky, Citrus Bowl, where you feel decent about Iowa's offense? But even that Second was, half, I would say. Yeah, but even that was, like, Kentucky didn't have their main guys on the field. Yep. Iowa has scored 27 points in the last 12 quarters of football. That's wild. It's, it's I mean, again, where do you go? This is the fewest points a Big Ten team has scored and won in yeah. any game since 2004. And guess who was the last time? Last team that did that? Iowa, Iowa when they won 6-4 to four over Penn State. And this was nearly a 5-3 to three game. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could sit here and talk about how great Torrey Taylor was because he was dominant. I mean, yeah. he... he Essentially, one was just as big of a part as the defense, two safeties, because Tory's the one who pinned them back deep yep. time and time again. There were nearly a thousand punting yards in this game, Sean. Iowa had nearly three times as many punting yards as offensive yards. Yeah, it's wild. And again, you could sit here and compliment the defense. Jack Campbell was tremendous. We're gonna see what happens with Justin Jacobs. That's gonna be a big, big loss if he can't go next week. And he was really good when he was on the field. He too. was the, by far the most complete I've seen I him. I think he got beat once in coverage with him and Kayvon Merriweather. I think had a miscommunication yep. on that one. Um, I think it was deep, a f- it was like a twenty yard post. Cor- yeah, it was twenty yard post. Corner, corner. Sorry, excuse me. Twenty yard corner. And that was the one kind of mishap. But he was covering a lot of ground. Iowa had him in with Campbell, him and Campbell. Put Benson on the bench, had DeGene in at the cash. They were working those two guys. And, I mean, he going in street clothes, like, right away in the second half, like, that's not a fantastic sign. I asked Kirk after the game what the update was, and Kirk had mentioned that he doesn't think it's a joint issue. He thinks it's a soft tissue injury. And Kirk was encouraged about that, but the soft tissue, Sean, those things can linger. So it's going to be interesting. But I thought Logan Klemp did a good job when he went in there, and I think that's going to be a guy that I won't say it's a safety net, and it's obviously a big drop-off, but this isn't a freshman going in. This is a guy who's been in the program, he's developed, and he's gotten those valuable reps, especially in spring when now the starting linebackers were playing. Yeah. Noah Shannon, I thought, had a tremendous game at defensive tackle as well. And then you look at Joe Evans, which I feel like nobody has even written a word about Joe Evans. And this is a guy that had seven sacks last year. And I thought Joe was dominant at times. Yeah, Joe had two and a half sacks or two sacks. It was one of those numbers. I know he had two and a half tackles for a loss, but... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, the defensive line was really good. Obviously, the offense was a storyline with how they disappointed today. But defensive line, Noah Shannon, I thought was really good up the middle. I think Logan Lee had a sack as well. Joe Evans, John Wagner almost had that sack Mm -hmm. too. Lucas Van Ness got back there a couple times. Ethan Herkett, Deontay Craig had a couple big plays. I think Yahweh Black had a nice play too somewhere. So, I mean, it's a good thing when we're not talking about certain groups because that goes to show – 
that they probably did a good job or they were not like the highlight. Yeah. Obviously it's a positive and you know, you talk about the good things, but this, I guess whole deal or this whole game was just, you know, the offense like that. was As great as the the defense was, it's exactly what was expected. And I think in not to take it for people should not take it for granted, but you have to talk about the offense because you look at the special teams, you look at the defense, Sean, that's Big Ten championship caliber in both those areas. And, again, I wrote it in my postgame column. It's not unreasonable for Iowa fans to be demanding more. I mean, you thought last year was the low point when they had the 121st-ranked offense. This is the low point. I said, you know, Sean, to give you a history lesson, I don't know if you remember this, back in 1979, Hayden Fry was hired. Iowa had 17 straight losing seasons. Fans still showed up, showed out, whatever. Hayden Fry ran the shotgun. They got a standing ovation for running a formation because it was so foreign. Today marks the most embarrassing offensive performance since that day. And there have been some bad offensive performances, but you talk about a third-year starting quarterback. You have some playmakers. You're going up against an FCS school, and you can't muster up 200 yards of offense. I think that's – I mean, there's been times where Iowa has not been able to muster up 200 yards of offense in big template, but that's a different opponent. This is an FCS team. While talented, there was no reason that you should have only had three points offense during the day. And, I mean, those offensive points were <laughs> thanks to Tory Taylor. Yep. Uh, thanks to – no, who was oh, it? Who had the the, inter, the interception? I mean, Tory Taylor did account for the safeties at least. Right. That's but, why I got confused. Yeah, but like I said, Sean, that that shows you something. And I and I get Iowa wins games, and Kirk said, you know, we have some things to clean up, and everybody knew what his response was going to be before he said it. Wasn't it the bad punt, or was that the first possession? You know, it might have been the – it was – I need to look back at that because it was either a shanked right. punt, but remember, Iowa got within the 10-yard line, and then LaShawn Williams fumbled right. the ball. Yeah. Uh, on one of those at least so but I mean where do you go that's the big question I think number one they need Nico back they need to get Keegan back because I do think while they said our offensive game plan wasn't limited Sean it had to be limited because if that's your offensive game plan then somebody needs to get fired yeah I mean that that's just the blunt truth of it you can't you can't score zero points and hold on offense and hold your head up high I don't care what the win was hey I mean one and oh but that one doesn't really mean much. It's an asterisk. It's an asterisk right now, I would say, too. I mean, Iowa feels like, I mean, obviously there's things they need to fix up on. They'll be the first ones to admit that. But we're going to find out a lot more about this team against Iowa State next week. Iowa State, I know, played a team like SEMO, who was not very good. A lot of young guys. 43 freshmen, 50 yep. newcomers. Yep. A lot of young guys in that program. And, you know, we're not probably on the level of South Dakota State, but you know what Iowa State did? They showed something on offense. And yep. they were going to be healthy. And this Iowa offense especially has just been totally, totally depleted. I mean, especially at wide receiver. And we're going to figure out a lot more about this team next week. That is for sure. That is going to be a very, very telling matchup. I've I said this. We have – covered and I mean even my one of my first years of covering Iowa there have been a lot of what if season Sean yeah. 
Iowa's offense is going to dictate whether or not this is another what-if season. And what do I mean by that? Are they going to go to Indianapolis or are they not? And I said anything less than a Big Ten West title is disappointing. I think failure is too strong of a word. But, Sean, if they have this sort of offensive output for the rest of the season, Iowa's going to struggle to make a bowl game. And, you know, while it might be overreacting, I think you're right. I think week one, I think the big key is getting healthy and then seeing how the game plan adjusts going into next week. But you can't sugarcoat this and tell people it's going to be okay. Yeah. Because, again, this is the low point for the Iowa offense that I can remember at least. Yeah. Did, uh, like I said, next week is going to be really telling of where, where things are at and kind of the mindset that people can have going into Big Ten play. I mean, if Iowa escapes, I, I mean, I know I said this last year, like that win over Iowa State last year was really important for last season. But I honestly think this game might be more important than last year's one. Considering I do too. the circumstances of what happened against South Dakota State and how that can – because, I mean, these people had these two games locked up as wins. And yep. Big Ten plays where it gets sketchy. And when you're playing Ohio State and Michigan, like Iowa's defense can maybe stick with Ohio State's offense. I think they can. Contain them as, be- as best as probably anybody in the country can. Yeah, but I know Ohio State still has some kinks to work out and – with the defense, with their new defensive coordinator, but if you put that offense on the field in Columbus, you're going to get beat. You're not going to be able to get a first down. Not with you. Yeah. So, and again, it feels like we're just being redundant here, but these are the storylines. This is the first tangible evidence that we have the 2022 season. I think that's what people need to take into account. When we saw the follow-up in practice, there was tangible evidence that Iowa had moved forward. And again, I think that's true to some degree. I do think there's room to improve as far as getting healthy and instilling game plans. And while there was a lot of positives on special teams, a lot of positives on the defense, I feel like that's going to be more of our next podcast to actually digest and discuss. But the immediate reaction, nobody cares about what the defense and special teams did. They do because they won. But, man, this Iowa offense, Sean, it's, it's without an identity and it's broken. And I think that's just the flat-out truth right now until they do anything and anything and everything to try to inject some life because – you know what the loudest I heard Iowa Kinnick Stadium was? The booze. No, the MVP chance for Tory Taylor. Oh, I said the booze. That's pretty close. Yeah. So, any final thoughts about it, Sean? It, again, it feels like we're being redundant, but what more can you say? We don't want to sit here for 20, 30 minutes and just, yeah. you know, absolutely demolish every aspect of Iowa's offense off one game. But at the same time, it's a very important game. But this will be the most important week. Until Big Ten play, I say. Yeah, no doubt. I'm ready. I'm ready for uh, Iowa State. I'm ready for that week. I'm ready to preview the Cyclones. I'm ready to put this one behind us. I am too covered, boys. <laughs> yeah. It's it's. It, I'm sure we'll have more tomorrow. I'll do a review and we'll see some stuff. But uh, Iowa Iowa State week is here. It's going to be in Kinnick Stadium for the first time since 2018, and we'll see how Brian Ferentz and Spencer Petrus and company respond. Because I don't think I've mentioned this yet, but. Kirk Ferentz is doubling down with Spencer Petras as the starting quarterback and said he really didn't give much thought to Alex Padilla. And, you know, Sean, before I wrap this up, I do want to talk about this for a second. How do you feel if you're Alex Padilla right now? Because, well, again, there's plenty of other issues, but this is a guy that started and won games last year. And for as bad as Petras was, 
Kirk Sade didn't even give a thought to putting in Alex Padilla. Yeah. I mean, I would, be, I would be a little hurt by that, but I think it's one of those things where you never know when your name's going to be called. There could be any sort of situation where your name could be called, and you just got to be ready. I know Padilla's that type of guy, too, where he's going to be ready or he's going to have that you know mindset. So I think he's just – I think you just keep going with it. It's tough, but I think you just keep going. Put up or shut up time for Iowa's offense next week against Iowa State. Yep. Hawkeye Insider 24-7 Sports will have full coverage of that, so be sure to stay tuned to HawkeyeInsider.com. And really quick, speaking of HawkeyeInsider.com, we have a 75% off an annual subscription, $0.07 cents a day for the most in-depth and intense coverage of your Iowa Hawkeyes. So be sure to check out the site or our Twitters for that. You can follow us at David Eichel, at SBOC247, at Hawkeyes on 247. Be sure to stay tuned to the Swarmcast and HawkeyeInsider.com for everything you need. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.